The Spirited Award nominations are live right now on the web. We're going to talk about those. We're also talking about Instant Family, Fantastic Beasts, Green Book, Widows. A lot to talk about. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. So why are we playing We Are Family? That's the question right now. Well, besides me and Nestor being a family here at LAOFCS Weekly... We are very excited, or at least I'm very excited, that a movie called Instant Family is coming out this weekend. I highly recommend this film. Uh, Top of the show recommendation because I come from a family where I've had foster kids in my household throughout my entire life. I have six adopted brothers, as I said on the show before. Instant Family is an incredible film. Uh, I think it's going to get buried this weekend at the box office, and I don't want it to, so I'm promoting this movie. Yes, Paramount, you're welcome, Uh, but everyone in this movie is incredible. I think this is the best movie that I've ever seen Mark Wahlberg in. It's one of the top three best performances from Rose Byrne. The movie has a lot of heart. It doesn't sugarcoat everything. Just a wonderful film, and it opens people's minds to the world of adoption and foster care. And I cannot recommend this movie enough, and everyone should go out and see it. Yes, that is me doing marketing for Paramount. You are welcome, everyone. Okay, and... I have to introduce myself, of course, because I'm so excited about promoting this movie. Uh, I, of course, am Scott Menzel, and to my right, or my left, wherever you're seeing this, you know, know, uh, is Nestor. Nestor, tell them about you. Nestor Rodangor, and the editor-in-chief of TheHollywood.com. It's a bilingual movie news website, and I'm a fellow film critic of this Amazing group, and I have to go because I need to see Instant Family. So thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Good to see you. That, that, was, that, that was so good that now I feel bad for not having seen it. Can you? Can you ever forgive me? <laughs> I think I can. Okay. I think I can. Awesome. Just make sure you catch it at some point. Is it better than, than Mile Twenty Two? What, what? Is it better than Mile Twenty Two? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mile Twenty Two. Is it better than Mile Twenty Two? I think um, pretty much 98% of the movies that came out this year are better than Mile 22. And I think that was part of the reason why I was kind of you know, avoiding this movie, because that left me, not the movie as a whole, but Mark Wahlberg, his character has to be one of the most annoying characters of this year. So I'm glad to hear that, you know. The problem with Instant Family comes down to the marketing and i've i've spoken very vocally about this to the people at paramount to the stars to the director of this movie is that they make this movie look like daddy home three and it's not daddy's home three but that's what they make this movie look like Like a low brow slapstick comedy whatever no and it's it's interesting because jenna who i recommended this movie to who's a part of our group she took her son to see this and it's i want to want to say this because he started crying at the end of the movie. And it's interesting because I've seen a lot of critics post that they cried and they were very emotional by this by the time this movie came to an end. And my own story with that is I sat through those credits and I bawled my eyes out. The Paramount rep asked me what I thought about this movie. When I walked out the door, I started crying again. It is emotional. And um, 
like I said, this is a very important topic. I feel like we don't really learn much about foster care in movies. I don't feel like we talk about adoption in movies. And it's nice to have something that, you know, kind of shows the pros and the cons. Like there's a lot of negatives to it, but there's also a lot of pros to it. And it it allows people to be more open-minded about this if they want to have kids. So that's my selling point for this movie. It works. It works. I mean, I'm happy for Isabella Moner. You know, she worked with Mark Wahlberg in the last uh, Transformers film. And this year she was in the Sicario sequel, a movie that I didn't like for many, many reasons. So I'm happy to see her kind of, you know, in a, in a good movie and growing her career. She's going to be in the Red Explorer in the future. So good yeah. for her. Yeah, it's nice that she's kind of like blossom now and she's going to become this notable actress i think and I, I i hope a lot of people do see this movie but i mean she's going to be doing a lot of bigger projects like dora the explorer as much as people may not want this movie i feel like it's going to do very well because there's a lot of kids who are going to want to see it cool so all right so what we should do is i'm, I'm so torn on this episode because it's going to be a very basic episode but we're going to talk about all the new movies that came out this week but I just came from the Spirit Awards nominees, and I feel like I have to talk. We have to talk about this um, because I sat there and I've never been to one of these announcements before for a major awards show, and it was interesting because the the stars it was Mo- Molly Shannon and Gemma Chan. They were on stage and they were like very excited when announcing these awards, and then. The reaction from the press people. I mean, press people, I don't know if you've been to press screenings, but they're not always the most vocal people. We are dead inside. (laughs) And to see people like it, like, oh, yeah. Like, it was just weird seeing that. So I I feel like we really need to talk a little bit about some of these categories. Um, Nestor, is there anyone that stood out to you, like, right right away when you looked at them? Well, I mean, I'm happy for a few films. Um, Hereditary, for example. And I think that that's one of the better directed movies. So I'm happy to see her in a few categories. Uh, sadly, it's not in the best director category because Ari Astor did a fantastic work with that film. And then talking about best feature, Eighth Grade is a is a great film and it's a movie that, you know, premiered a few months ago and I'm happy that they didn't forget about it. Um, I loved If Bill Street Could Talk, you know? I think that you see that it's from the same people that did Moonlight. And I was, you know, charmed by, by the film. Another kind of weird omission, not seeing that in Best Cinematography, because that movie is beautiful. You want to print out every frame and put it, in, and put it on, your, on your walls. So uh, another solid, solid choice. First Reform, I saw this film recently and I, and I appreciate it. And I get uh, what the movie is trying to explore. This overwhelming darkness that is so dangerous. That even when you are not just an adult, but someone that is supposed to be in a position like like a priest. To help other people get through bad times. Even those uh, individuals are, you know, vulnerable. So I appreciate the film and appreciate... um, uh, Ethan Hawke's acting in the movie and everything. As a whole, I don't think there is a movie like to to be a, a strong contender. You know, 
So I, I, you know, it's interesting. I remember seeing that not this past year at the festivals, but last year I saw the Telluride, wow. and it, it took a really long time for this movie to catch on. And I feel the same way you do about it not having an audience. I mean, it's a very hard sell. Like, who can you sell that movie to? It's but, very bleak. Yeah, it's very bleak, and it's very sad, and it's very dark. But I really love that movie. I feel like Amanda and Ethan and Paul, like, that was a very small and intimate movie. And it's very jarring. It, it It's... I know a lot of people are not ready and they don't know what the movie's about because if you've seen the trailer, you don't really get a great idea. Um, but I think for those two, I don't, I don't think they've given better performances in their careers. I think it's one of their, if it's not their best, it's one of the top. And it's something that's different and daring. Mm -hmm. And I, I really appreciate that. And I think it's funny that it got nominated here. And it's not funny that it got nominated here. But it's interesting because this is the type of award ceremony where I feel like it's going to get a lot of love, if it's going to get any love at all. Because these are the movies that are kind of out there and not the typical movies that we, we're going to be talking about, the Oscars and, and the Golden Globes. So I'm happy for them. Yeah, yeah. And... Um... I mean, Roma, I'm happy to see Roma <laughs> around. Um, it's a movie that I think that you need to kind of prepare yourself before seeing it. You definitely do. You know, it's not like, oh, let's go to a music concert. It's like, let's go to a museum. Yeah. You know, let's go, let's slow down and let the movie uh, wash over us. And let's give the filmmakers the time, you know, to make us go back in time and to make us kind of, I don't know, um, explore the small things. And I understand that I can be kind of, I don't know, uninteresting for some people and some uh, parts of the, of, of the film. <laughs> but overall, there is so much Cuaron in that movie. That if oh, you, it is. If you like Alfonso Cuaron, and he's one of my favorite directors, there, is, there are so many things that you're going to like because he's a cinematographer, he's a writer... He's a co-producer. Obviously, he's a director. So, I mean, yes, maybe there is a shorter version in the editing room that I would prefer to to see instead of this kind of the extended director's cut. But overall, it's it's, it's such a I don't know piece of art that I, I cannot help but uh, to admire and to profoundly like. I agree. I mean, I think Roma is really an art house film. I mean, that's what that movie is, yeah. and it's made for people who love cinema and can appreciate cinema and don't mind sitting through a two-and-a-half-hour movie that's very personal. Not much happens in Roma, let's be honest. It's just a, a character story, and it shows the city. It's just it's a beautiful-looking film, and why I always warn people about this movie and what I, what I warn them about is that that first hour of this movie. This is just really developing the city, showing like the day-to-day -day life, how it is. It's, it's a very repetitive at times. And I get it. It's building something up. But I feel like someone who's not like us, who doesn't see two, 300 plus movies a, 
a year, it's going to be a very hard sell. Yeah. And especially, and this is where I think it has the misfortune of being a Netflix film. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. Because if you're going to watch that movie on your, I mean, we have big TVs now. People have like 75 inch TVs, but like, let's be honest, most normal people probably have about a 42, maybe a 50 inch. You're going to watch that. You're going to turn on the movie. You're going to watch the first 15, 20 minutes of that film. And really, nothing happens in the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie. If you're sitting at home, I feel like it's going to be like, okay, well, here I'm on Netflix. There's yeah. 50 other million yeah. things I can watch. Yeah. I mean, you can have the hope that, okay, maybe people is going to have the power to stop the movie, do something else, and then finish it later. But we know that's not going to happen. Netflix is there to entertain you, yeah. you know, not the other way around, not, not for you to invest in the experience. So I think that in a way it's going to have more immediate exposure to the world, you know, talking about small independent films. But I think that's going to have kind of that negative effect of people just, you know, checking out because the movie it's not there to, to tickle you a Friday night. <laughs> right, 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 right. And it doesn't grab you right away. It's not a movie that grabs you right away. It's not Roman Chill. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> That's not the case. It's not Roman Chill. Um, you also mentioned, I, I definitely want to point this out, I love the love for 8th grade. Yeah. This is This is... This is one of the things that I got very excited about, and it's funny because I, most of those things, have, like I said, I'm used to sitting there quiet, no reaction. So when other people were interacting around me, I started to get into it. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Eighth Grade is a film that I absolutely love. Um, my wife, Ashley, used to be a teacher, and I, the PR people for this movie basically said they gave she gave the best bad review for this movie. She, she said... It reminded her too much of being a teacher. Mm -hmm. And I think that means that this movie works because it's so true to life and so realistic. And I I love Elsie Fisher. I think she's going to have a huge career. The fact that Bo got a directing um, nomination and a first, fe uh, did first he get feature. First feature, sorry. Yeah. First feature. Like, it's just, it's pretty amazing. He didn't get director. He actually just got first Correct. feature. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's it's amazing to kind of see this kind of little movie, you know, that was like a, a Sundance darling that didn't even play at the big theater right away. It didn't, you know, most of the big movies play at Eccles. And this one played at the library. So to see a movie that played at the library somehow become like this big award contender, that's special. The other thing I wanted to say was I am so freaking happy for John Cho for searching. Yeah. I love searching so much. And when that, I literally was like, yes, when that came up, because I was just like, whoa. And one more that I really need to talk about is the the love for private life, because I feel like a lot of people, another Netflix movie, yep. again, I don't know if this hurt the movie because it went on Netflix, you know, another movie that doesn't grab you right away, but it's just a very personal and, and, and wonderfully acted film with Catherine Hahn and Paul Giamatti. And I love that it, it, almost every category or every other category, that movie got brought up. And I, I love that movie. And, I, and I'm glad that this award um, um, organization has decided to you know give it some love. Yeah, I want to, I want to mention uh, with the animals. It's a small movie that I saw months ago, and I like the fact that you know it's uh, centered on a um, Latino family. I, I'm pretty sure this is the sixties, sixties or seventies. Not not quite sure about it, but it's a very small movie. But it's a movie about 
uh, not just nostalgia, but bringing you back to the times when you were a kid and you see the world through the eyes of the kids in the film. Um, the kids, you know, the, these are not professional actors. In a year that, like, eighth year, we had many movies about young people, yes. you know, at the center. With the Animals is a, it's an interesting one, and it's a very personal film. It's, a, again, a, a film about discovering yourself, about tolerance, and... Again, it's, it's one of those little, little, little things that you should see. Talking about the directing category, um, Spike Lee is not here for Black Klansman. It's and it, very it, weird, it, right? It can be probably his his best movie in what twenty years. Yeah, yeah. I'm. That was very shocking. In fact, isn't it kind of shocking that what what was the only category? Adam Adam Driver, right, for supporting role, yeah. supporting male. That was really surprising to me. You know, and and there was a quite a few nominations for Can You Ever Forgive Me, which totally seemed weird to me because, you know, when I think for some reason when I think of Fox Searchlight, I think more of a more of a commercial movies now. I guess maybe because of the presence that they had in cinema over the last couple mm-hmm. of years, that I was kind of really shocked that that was in here quite a bit. Um, but Black Klansman being being out of most of these categories, that's that's a little weird. What does he say about uh, the favorite being included just in the best international film category and not making it? That is weird. I thought that was really weird. Um, and I don't know why. Because the movie, I mean, the movie is great. And I think that is one of the best comedies of the year. I mean, it's, it's pretty dark, but you oh, also yeah. have, I mean, it's, it's very funny. Olivia Colman and Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz. I mean, Rachel Weisz, you've seen in that type of role before, mm-hmm. as you have with Olivia Colman, but Emma Stone doing that is something really different. And how dark Olivia Colman is in this movie, she's so great. And it's, it is weird. I, I heard that. And, uh, the Robert Altman award for Suspiria. I have, so many things to say about that. Um, okay. But, but I like Suspiria. Okay. And I think that, again, if you're going to give an award to Luca Guadagnino, maybe this shouldn't be the movie. You know, it's like Scorsese for The Departed. <laughs> yeah. But he's a very talented guy. So, sure. You know, it's, it's nobody's going to be outraged about it. Suspiria, I like the movie, but... Talking about the best film horrors of, of the film, I, of, of the year, sorry, I think that it's not there. You know, no. you can talk about Hereditary, A Quiet Place. Suspiria has great scenes and some of the best scenes filmed in a horror movie probably ever. But overall, again, one of those movies that you are pretty sure that there is a better version in the editing room <laughs> and you can take out one entire character oh God, yeah. out of this film. And it's going to be way less distracting and way more, you know, uh, focused on, on what really matters. It's a story about, you know, this place and these women. So that was, I don't know, kind of disappointing. I never share my thoughts on this, but I'm the thing I agree with you, there are certain elements of this film that really work. Like I think Tilda Swinton is amazing in the film, but when is she not amazing? Um, th- my problem, along with that storyline you're talking about, is Dakota Johnson. I just don't think Dakota Johnson can hold a movie. I, I hate to say it. I know she's been trying and she's been get, you know doing a lot of different roles. But you look at her and you look at Mia Goth in this movie. Mm-hmm. 
Mia Goth, when she's on screen, she is just captivating. You are just like your your eyes are glued to the screen, and as soon as she like goes off of it, and she comes, Dakota comes on, it's just kind of like. Uh, and yeah. I've talked to a lot of people about this. I know there's a few people in our group who love this movie. It's like one of their favorite movies of the year. But most people who I've talked to who have seen this have agreed with my statement that Mia Goth should have been the lead lead actress in this movie. And I think it would have been a much yeah. better movie for it. And that character can do much of the things that the male character in the movie does. You know, it's easy from the script point of view to kind of readjust these things, but I kind of disagree with the Dakota Johnson situation. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of Dakota Johnson, but I think that it's a perfectly cast role for her. You know, she's playing someone that is supposed to be very, I don't know, kind of um, the, 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 the girl next door, but at the same time is very um, kind of away from you. I kind of, there's something ethereal quality, like a, like a nymph or, or, or something that is, you know, uh, quite not quite not right. You know, so I think that she's in a. Is, is, this is a good role for her, but yes, if you ask me, is she the leading actress of tomorrow? I, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, there was so much that I liked about this movie, but the runtime and just some of the choices that were made in this film that. I just walked out of it, and it's not something that I hate. It's just something where I was just like, meh. And it just, everyone who I've talked to, I shouldn't say everyone, but like majority of the people who I've talked to felt the very same way. They just felt like there was good qualities about it, and it just, for the most part, it just kind of fell apart and didn't quite even capture the spirit of the original. That's a lot of things that I've heard, is that fans of the original Suspiria we're not too crazy about this one because, first of all, it's an hour longer than the original movie, but also that the themes and some of the stuff explored are not quite the same. And people who love that movie really love the original. And I think when they wanted to see this remade, they wanted to see it made not the same way, but to have a lot of the same elements. And I feel like this one kind of steered a little bit that way instead of this way. <laughs> So. Yes, yes. But we have we have more witchcraft to talk about this week. So that's no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, last one I wanted to talk to. Just a big shout out to uh, Boots Riley for getting some love for. Um, sorry to bother you. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how people feel about this movie. I know it's a very bizarre, jarring. I don't know out there. I mean, you got to smoke some really heavy stuff to really fully appreciate that movie. But. I want to say, like, as someone who supports independent film, who who supports original content and ideas, I appreciate this movie so much because you can't say that you've seen another movie like Sorry to Bother You. It could be like a hodgepodge of a bunch of other films, but the movie stands out on its own as a really unique piece of cinema, and you can't ignore that. It, it's just really out there and different. And Boots Riley, I think, is a... Uh, Diamond in the Rough. I think he's going to wind up becoming a really iconic filmmaker. I agree. Let's see what happens. But yeah, it's a, it's a very different movie and, and very, very interesting for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we're moving on to our week's releases. And we're going to just talk about everything first before we um, reveal the movie pick of the week. We'll do that at the end of the show. Um, so we have a lot of movies that are opening. I already talked about Instant Family. Uh, there is also Fantastic Beasts. Green Book, Widows, and At Eternity's Gate. Uh, Nestor, 
uh, why don't you, since I did not did not see At Eternity's Gate, what did you think? I think that Eternity's Gate is, um, you know, talking about artistic films, <laughs> this is artistic in, in so, so many ways. Um, we are following uh, William the Fox character that, that is playing um, Vincent Van Gogh. And I like the fact that it's about his art, but it's also about a person that is, is not able to fit in the world, in his time, that is out of place, out of time. And the movie is communicating the isolation that he's feeling and how, how he's trying to channel that in a positive way. Because, you know, nowadays we see people in, in, in that situation doing horrible things, you know? They, they, they cannot find um, a way to express that uh, and to create, and they want, they go with the destruction. So we, we are following the story of somebody that was feeling th- that despair, but chose to channel that in a positive way. And overall, I mean, great acting from William Dafoe. I think that Oscar Isaac does a, a very nice job as well. Oscar Isaac playing in, in small roles this year. Um, some, sometimes the movies don't quite work, but he's always great. And overall, I would say that it's one of those films that I would recommend to someone to watch at home. Why? Because the cinematography is trying to communicate all of these things, you know, kind of this uh, sense of being lost all the time. So there are some things that can feel a little bit overwhelming on the big screen. You know, you have this kind of shaky camera and these kind of weird lenses, the fish eye effect and stuff. And if you watch it at home in a small screen, I think you you're going to have a better experience overall. But definitely for the acting, for the intentions, and to celebrate, you know, one of the greatest artists ever. So overall, I mean, a a positive experience. Yeah, I mean, the reason I'm not really talking about this movie is because I've only seen, like, bits and pieces of it, um, which is, like, how did you only see bits and pieces of it? Um, I was doing a show when I was supposed to go see this movie and I wound up having the time wrong and I only saw part of the movie. That's why I don't feel comfortable fully reviewing it. So just full disclosure. Um, But I will say that what I saw, I mean, I think William Dafoe is incredible in this film. Uh, Very subtle performance um, from him. He's an incredible actor. He's really like, he's such a bold actor. I mean, mean, there's no one quite like him. Um, I, I've been on record saying that I really hated the Florida project, but I love him. It's like the weirdest movie for me because I loved him so much in that movie that I was rooting for him. But at the same time, I hated that movie so much. So it was very strange. Um, but he's just so good. And, um, Oscar Isaac, I'm glad you pointed him out because even in movies where I feel like people really bash this year, like operation finale and then, uh, life itself, uh, I saw it. In all fairness, his performance in life himself, in my opinion, is one of the best that he's given. I mean, it's very dark. It's very, it's very deep. It, it's it's hard to watch, and I don't think people really like got that when they were watching that film. That is a dark, you know, someone dealing with depression and stuff like that. It's dark, and if you haven't lived with someone or if you don't know people who've, who've dealt with that, it's really hard. But. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing this. I hopefully they'll send us a screener so I can actually fully watch it. Again, I get the vibe that you said. Like it's not a movie where 
I would rush out to the movie theater to see, which is kind of quite the opposite of Roma, where I feel like Roma is a movie that I would want to see on the big screen and not watch at home because I don't think it would have the same effect. Yep. Uh, this one has the reverse effect where I feel like there's no real need to see it in a theater, but I would watch it at home. So I don't know. I don't know if I would say Netflix, but I would say like maybe an on-demand kind of thing. Um, before we go into our like dueling out battle this week, which this is like the most I've ever seen people in the freaking group <laughs> go again, go back and forth between two movies. Uh, we need to talk about Fantastic Beasts, um, the Crimes of Grindelwald, and uh, I was very surprised by the very like lukewarm reactions to this mm-hmm. movie because I feel like the first movie, you know, got a pretty positive response overall. And this one kind of had more of that like middle ground. And I thought this one was a lot superior in almost every way than the first one. Care to share your thoughts? Yeah, I, I like this movie better than the previous one. I mean, that doesn't mean that I think that it's one of the best movies of the year or, no. or anything like that. But I think that in many aspects, uh, I agree with you, it's a superior film. Especially because uh, it's like you have, I don't know, a sports team and you, you bring new talent, you know, and you bring Jude Law and Johnny Depp into the movie. I mean, he was in the, in the previous movie for yeah. uh, five minutes. But when you have those players in your team, things are going to improve. And obviously you want to spend more time with them because they're so charismatic. But they inject something into the mix that I think that it grabs your attention. Obviously, we are going to look back a few years from now and we're going to say five movies that wasn't necessary. You right. know, you can tell the story in four movies. That's going to be... Probably three. Probably three. <laughs> but, you know, in the same, um, on the same point, uh, what they are doing, I think that the story is more interesting feels more relevant, talking about especially about Grindelwald and these kind of uh, evil characters that throughout history have been manipulating the masses and taking them in the wrong path. And I think that he plays that beautifully. And everything that happens with the special effects and the action and everything, more interesting, the way they use the magic. Uh, Newt as a character, I think that you, you understand why he's kind of the chosen one in yes. this in this battle makes more sense to you. Also, the way he is kind of his innocence being kind of his greatest strength. And I mean, yes, there there is like a sub story or mini th- mystery going on there that at the end could have been developed better. You know, it feels kind of confusing and rushed the last twenty minutes of the film, and you can trim it a little bit here and there. But overall, if you are going to see a blockbuster and you, and you want the big set pieces, the first one, uh, the, the first big action scene is spectacular. Oh, it's amazing. So overall, I think that you're going to leave the theater in a, with a positive reaction. The, the previous movie, when, when I left the theater, I, I was kind of falling asleep. And after this one, I want to see the next chapter. So I would say that mission accomplished. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And what's interesting is, and I know people don't like hearing this phrase, but this is a movie that's made for fans, fans of Harry Potter and people who want to you know, dig deeper into the mythology of the Harry Potter universe. And, you know, J.K. Rowling is part of this movie and she, she's, she was part of the first one, but now she's, she's an active screenwriter on this one. She has... 
from what I heard, she's changed things up a lot from what she told people was going to happen in the second movie after the first movie and kind of seeing the response that it got. And I think the problem that we're seeing is that as a moviegoer, as a critic, someone who goes see 300 plus movies a year, what the problem is is that we expect to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And we we don't want to know about these fan theories and all this other stuff that are being discussed in this film. Like, who are these characters? Where are they going? Are they connected to A, B, and C? Or is it B, you know, D, C, and F? Whatever it is. You know, it's just, it's interesting because... I know people don't like hearing that phrase, but this is something that I feel like J.K. Rowling has been making for fans and people to get dressed up and go to co- in costume to the movies. And I feel like the movie has a lot in it, and it's it's it is kind of confusing. I think it's a film that requires more than one viewing. Yeah. I think it's something where there's a lot of takeaways from it. But the points that you address, there's you got Jude Law and you got Johnny Depp, both of which elevate this film so much they're so good in the roles and then you have ezra miller's character credence who is being developed a little bit more you get something that happens with this character near the end of the film that gets you really excited for the next one it's building blocks and i and i, and I realize we want everything now we want it now but like at the same time is five movies too much probably could we've done it in three yes and There'll probably be a period of time where they might regret it, and they might even get to the point where, depending on how the box office numbers go, they might even have to condense them into three or four, you know, depending on how this goes. But most of the reactions I've been watching, and it's another one of these things like Bohemian Rhapsody, where I've watched the reactions from fans as opposed from critics, and they're so different. Again, it's like people are just loving this movie Critics have, you know, not every critic, but, you know, I would say it's a 50-50 split. They're really either really enjoying it or they're saying it's bloated, it's messy, it's, you know, I don't know where this is going, why is it this many movies, blah, 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 blah. So I do recommend it, too. I think you get, I think it's a vast improvement over the the first one. And, um, you know, if you're a fan, go see it. So the big uh, battle here at uh, the Los Angeles Online Film Critics Society is uh, (laughs) there's two movies coming out this weekend, both of which I think are in fairly limited release. And uh, it's Green Book versus Widows for us. And, I mean, I've been watching this uh, since the beginning of the week, and it's it's weird because Widows was edged up there for a period, and then Green Book came back, and then Widows came back, and then they were tied. And uh, I'm, I'm calling it now. It's, it's the, the show because last week I totally forgot about doing it afterwards. It By one vote, by a single vote, every vote matters, um, Green Book took the lead. That w- Say that again? Green Book took the lead. Awesome. Okay. That was my vote. <laughs> yeah. I feel vindicated. Yes. I yes. was I was my vote too. Um and the reason for that is because Green Book I feel is very timely, is very important, but it's a feel good movie too. Absolutely. So you can have important themes such as racism and you know trying to understand another person's culture and dealing with, you know, even there's there's a part in the film I don't know if this is a spoiler dealing with sexuality. And there's a lot of heavy themes in the film, but the movie never forgets that it wants to have fun and it wants to be a buddy comedy. And I think it works so incredibly well. I think it's one of the best films of the year. Absolutely. The Green Book, it's one of those, 
irresistible movies, you know? It's very strange when I see somebody viscerally reacting in a negative way towards these feelings. How? How, how can you? I mean, it's that great balance between tackling the, the serious, the, the profound, and the, the very mundane, and the very light, and, 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 and the small things. And, you know, you hear the comparisons with other, full, other movies, like Robin Miss Daisy and stuff like that. To me... The movie that I compare it uh, the most is The King's Speech. I'm talking about, especially about uh, Award Season. You know, it's one of those crowd pleasers that you're having so much fun, but everything else is so good. The acting, the script, the direction, everything works that is, you know, you, you cannot help it but to leave the theater having a great time, having a great experience. I'm loving these characters. I mean, beautifully portrayed by by uh, the actors uh, Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali. And you know what? Viggo Mortensen, he grew up in Argentina, you know, and he speaks Spanish. So many languages. I yeah, know. I mean, I, I, people may, may not know this, but um, in South America, Argentina, and Uruguay, I'm from Uruguay, we have um, a lot of influx of Italian immigrants. So when I see Vigo playing this Italian person, I recognize things that I'm sure that he picked up when, when he was a kid and a teenager in Argentina. You know, this mannerism and being very, very loud and very colorful. And some people may say, oh, that's a kind of, kind of a caricature. I know people like that. Yeah. You know, some yeah. people behave yeah. like that. No, it's true. So to have that contrast uh, between that character Ali, there are some jokes here that are so funny that you, you're going to remember for a long time. And then you have moments and conversations that are so profound. And let me tell you something. Uh, it is so interesting because in other parts of the world, we keep the conversation about class and social class. It's all about class, you know. It's not about race for a lot of people around the world. Here in this country, I think the conversation is all about race. It's always about race. And not about class. And I like how this movie mixes those things together. And even even though it appears to be a simplification of complex things, it is making the conversation a little a little bit more complex and a little bit more in, in, in shades of gray than black and white. So overall, I think it's a, it's a big success. I agree. I mean... Here's the thing. This movie over the last couple of weeks, I've noticed now there's been some some controversy about this. Um, Vigo has said the N-word, which was like such a big deal, which is funny because I did an interview with him with a couple international journalists. He met, He said the word and none of us reacted because we looked at it in the context of the film. It wasn't like he was going out and saying something, you know, just sprouting the n-word whatever you know whenever he felt like it he was using it in the context of the film and talking about the type of film that it was and the setting and the time so i i thought that was really strange that that kind of made a lot of little headlines i know he apologized for it you know probably better on his part to do so but i i think we've become so sensitive now that it's just weird that even in the context of a film like this you can't talk about that because that's just the way it was back then i mean i know it's not right for me to say that now but like in the context of the film it it is fitting and now i've also heard that like people were like well i it's all about you know tony lip's story you know it's it's about him and and it's like what about dr shirley 
I will tell you something on this show. I don't know if it's out in public yet, but I did an interview with every everyone in this film, and everyone pointed out that Doctor Shirley did not want this movie made until he passed away. He did he led he led a very private life. He didn't want any of the story to get out until he was long gone. So therefore, you only had that one side of the perspective to tell this movie from, which therefore makes sense why Tony the Lip is the main character and um, Dr. Shirley is a secondary character because it was his perspective that he was telling the story from. That's all I'm saying about it. I just it makes me so upset because people can't just appreciate the look at all the good this movie's doing. It's like it, there's so much greatness in this film and so many heavy conversations. There's a scene where I think um, Mahershala gets so upset. And he's like, "If I'm not black enough, if I'm not white enough, what am I?" Kind of thing. And it just it's a freaking deep, profound, you know, dialogue that you're sitting there and you're like. What you know? What is yeah. it? And it just there's a lot of powerful moments. There's that scene in the I'm mean, like because I love this movie so much. There's the scene where they stop the car and they look into the field. That's powerful. That's yeah. some powerful stuff. And there's just moments like that in between the jokes about chicken and whatever else. It's but it addresses that as a joke, and then it, they have a serious moment about chicken later on, and you kind of see the difference. And it, it's not someone being mean-spirited about it, it's just someone being incredibly naive. And it's not about the race. It's about the social class, like you're talking about. And, like, just, I don't know. This is such a great film, and I'm just I'm so angry when people shit on something when it's just trying to do good and it's just trying to, like, be a feel-good movie but at the same time educate an audience. That's yeah, all. I, don't I agree. Know. Sorry, I got No, that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, and then Widows Will. was the other one. Um what did you think of Widows? You know what? Widows is one of my most... It was, was one of my most anticipated movies of the year for the incredible talent that it has behind and in front of the camera. And, you know, I kind of loved the first half of the movie. It was interesting because you, you are seeing something that it has so many... Um, layers, but it's paying attention so, to, to so many characters and following so many kind of subplots. And you're wondering, how long is this movie? Is, is this movie going to be four hours long? Because there is a way that, okay, yes, that's awesome for a mini-series of, or something like that, but when you have like two hours, two hours and 15 minutes to tell a story, how are you going to close all, that, all of those kind of open knots, you know? And I think that by the end, the movie... Is not able to do that, you know. It does a great job to to present things and to s kick off dynamics and and in invest a lot of time, and you are interested in following that. And at the end, it's like a, a TV series that got canceled, and they need to wrap up everything in the last episode. And you're like, wow, okay, but why did we in invest so, so much time in all other characters? You know, you, you feel that, okay there is something here that didn't quite work and you feel kind of the tension between being a uh, very deep uh, crime epic drama, you know, and a, and a Martin Scorsese or a Brian De Palma and at the same time being a kind of a pulpy um, heist thriller, you know, there's an interesting combination but at the end, I, I feel that there are many things in the movie and there are great moments in the movie as a whole, I felt a little bit disappointed. I mean, it, it is easy to recommend. Like, go to the movies and have a good time. Awesome. 
for awards, I think that it's not quite there. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I mean, when you look at this movie, it, it feels like a great homage to, you know, all the great action directors, Martin Scorsese, um, you know, Quentin Tarantino a little bit, Michael Mann. Michael Mann. Yeah, it, it feels like a love letter to all those. And and what's so different about this, of course, is that the female cast. It's a female-led heist movie. It's an original heist movie. It's not Ocean's A, which I thought suffered so greatly from being like a spinoff of, of already like a worn-out franchise. This stands on its own but what happens is is that there's so many characters in this film and there's so many subplots like you were saying that by the time it comes to an end it just there's twists and turns and sometimes the twists are like really wowing and sometimes you're like yeah i saw that coming it's 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 a very mixed bag when everything gets put together at the end and i do want to say that you know the the standout of this film is not Viola Davis this time around, although she's great. She's always great. But it's that Elizabeth Debicki. She is so great because we're so used to her playing just a pretty mm-hmm. girl. And she gets to play that a little bit in this film. But then we get to see this dark and gritty side to her. And she was the standout. I mean... If you took this, took her out of this film, I honestly think I would bring this movie. I think I gave this movie like an eight. I think I would probably bring this movie down to like a six or a five because I think she elevated this movie so incredibly much. And I will also add to that Robert Duvall. I think Robert oh, Duvall. Robert Duvall. He yeah, has yeah. like, I don't know, five minutes in the movie. <laughs> yes. And he brings something so unique and so powerful. I think that he, and his scenes with Colin Farrell were very, very interesting and intense. Yeah, I, I would would agree. And I mean it just shows like someone like him who's such a legend in the acting world is is so needed still in this day to even be in, in a movie for five to ten minutes, but he just he steals the scenes when he's in there and he just he's he again, he elevates the film. And that's that you know, like Michelle Rodriguez I I, I think was, was okay in this film. It's nice to see her in something outside of the Fast and Furious franchise. But very, I feel like she needed a lot more character development. I felt yeah. like she she felt very flat as a character. You know, Viola Davis was like set up as a character just because of the way that the film opened. You kind of knew where she was going with it, but there wasn't really anything like, oh my god, this is such a standout moment for her. You know, that's the thing about Viola Davis is that usually in every movie that she's in, she's usually the best part of the movie. And in this one, I kind of felt like she was good, but this was she wasn't the standout. I feel like, like yeah. you said, Robert Duvall. I would even argue, um, oh God, what's the name? Colin Colin Farrell was 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 better than her in this film. But Elizabeth Debicki is by far the best part. The other thing that I want to want to say was uh, Daniel Kaluuya. 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 I mean, he was a little too over the top. I mean, <laughs> I I like what they are going for with that character, and I I appreciate the fact we are seeing another side of, yeah. of him as a, as a performer. Yeah. So that's that's cool. But again, I mean, it, it works, but it feels out out of place. It feels yeah. like out of a Quentin Tarantino movie or something like that. And you expect something more from this character, a, a bigger payoff that you just kind of don't get. I also feel like it was so evil the character was like so evil that it actually sometimes became laughable 
I, a few people said, like, there were certain scenes in the movie where he was, like, doing something that you couldn't help but kind of, like, smirk a little bit because it was just, like, so, like, it's like, okay, I'm so evil. I'm going to kill her. You know, like, it's just, like, he's so, like, vengeful in the film. But I don't know. That was just something that stood out. And I guess maybe, again, seeing him in Get Out last year, you know, not a fair comparison, totally different movie, but, like, just how wowing he was in that film, you know, and it's probably, like you said, the writing of the character. It just, I wanted more from it. Yep. I yep. wanted more from it. Well, believe it or not, that's all the time we have. Yeah. That's all the time. There's, it's sometimes, like, two people, we can we can just nail it, you know, bang it out. And I think I can catch the next uh, showtime of Instant Family. You sure so, can. So, right on time. Yeah, you can. Um, where can they find you? Everybody can find me on um, YouTube, Twitter, etc. As Nestor Cine. Just looking for this Nestor Cine. Or Desde Hollywood. That is the name of my website. Okay. And you can find me, as always, on Twitter and Instagram at the other Scott M. You can read all my written reviews and interviews at We Live Entertainment. We will see you next week. Thank you so much. And we're going to be talking. We didn't get to the uh, best animated film this week. We'll be talking about that and best documentary next week. So stay tuned. And we'll see you soon. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.